Society has a lot of opinions about who and how you should love. And when you don't follow a script, the world can be a cruel place. Hate and fear can be destructive forces. But sometimes, those who love each other decide to fight back and rebuild that love and make it even stronger than before. In part one of this story, we heard how Ruth Birch met Julia Curry. It was love at first sight. Both of them felt they had found their soulmate. And I saw her come in, and all of a sudden my heart is missing different beats. I just feel at home with you. I just feel at home. They were together for over two years. But for their entire relationship, they had to keep their love a secret. They were both soldiers in the British Army. And when they met in the 1990s, it was still against the rules for lesbians, gay men, and bisexual people to serve in the armed forces. If you were discovered to be gay during this time, you'd be dishonorably discharged from the army. That meant losing your job, your pension, your security. You could even be sent to prison. We would have been kicked out straight away, no, no messing, so it had to be secret. For Ruth and Jew, the impact of the so-called gay ban was devastating. You are living two lives, and that's so, so difficult. Although the army was never able to prove they were together, Ruth and Jew were subject to bullying, harassment, room raids, and interrogations about their sexuality. You're having a sexual relationship. You're gay. You're gay, aren't you? You're gay. You're having intimate relations. You've been, you've been gay since you joined the forces. The pressure became too much. The relationship crumbled under its weight. It was over the phone and I said to Ruth, I just can't cope. I can't cope with nothing no more. Because of the way that we'd both been damaged by the army, there was so much that had gone on that we were both broken to a certain degree. But, as we keep hearing in this show, true love has a way of overcoming obstacles, even if it takes decades to work its magic. Something was saying to me, let's go left. As we turned left, about 300 yards up, I looked and I said, that's Ruth. How I did not crash the car... The emotions, it makes me feel now. I'm Tay Diggs, and this is You Had Me at Hello, the show where everyday people share their extraordinary stories of how they met and fell in love and sometimes how things later fell apart. Love. It's highs and lows, mess and drama, awkwardness and laughs. Come with us as we celebrate all of it. This is Fighting with Pride, Part 2. Part 1 of our story with Ruth and Jew ended in 1994. So let's skip ahead six years. Ruth and Jew haven't seen each other since the breakup, but in 2000, the British Army finally lifts the gay ban. 
I heard it on the news, funny enough. The change. 31 ex-servicemen are currently suing the Ministry of Defence for unfair dismissal. Now they and other homosexuals obliged to leave the forces will be entitled to re-enlist, though it's unclear how many will wish to do so. That was ITN announcing the news in January 2000. I thought, oh, thank goodness, about time. I was so, so happy for the future generations. Ruth and Jew were just two of thousands of people who had served in the British Army during the time of the gay ban, who were subject to institutionally sanctioned discrimination based on their sexuality. After four former soldiers brought a case to the European Court of Human Rights, the court ruled that the ban was illegal. The European Court of Human Rights ruling makes very clear that the existing policy in relation to homosexuality must change. Accordingly, we have decided that it is right that the existing ban should be lifted. As no primary or secondary legislation is required, with effect from today, homosexuality will no longer be a bar to service in Britain's armed forces. That was the Secretary of State for Defence at the time, Mr. Geoffrey Hoon, speaking in the UK's Parliament. Hearing the ban had been lifted is great news for Ruth and Jew. But no one can go back and undo the harm to their careers and their relationship. I mean, you still have to go on living to a certain point, but actually I don't know whether I, I lived. I think I sort of like existed to a certain degree and it was like a robotic mode of getting things done, getting things sorted. When Ruth and Jew were still together, Ruth had bought a house a cosy two-story home in Pathcall on the coast of Wales in the UK. And it was going to be our house. It was where we were going to start off in. Ruth had to rebuild a life from scratch. And she had to do it all without Jew. It was difficult, actually, to go back to the house because Jew wasn't there. There was so much looking back now that I had to deal with on so many different levels. But it was a case that I suppose you have, it's always known as the British stiff upper lip, isn't it? That uh, you keep calm and you carry on. And I think that is what I did because I, I had to do that to keep alive and just to keep going on with life. Finding a new career wasn't easy either. It wasn't obvious how Ruth could use her army skills in the civilian world. I was a marks person. I was also as well what they called like a range officer, so I could take people on the firing range. There was only five women in the forces at the time did this course, and I was one of them. So you have all these, these sort of qualifications, and uh, it's difficult to come out and adjust. Ruth tried several different jobs before she found the right one. I worked at a company that, I was ordering all the metal and everything that for Coca-Cola. I then went and worked for a place called GQ Parachutes at the time. And then I went in the prison service. So I was in the prison service for nearly 25 years. In prisons, Ruth worked with young offenders, vulnerable inmates, and those serving a life sentence. It was a challenging role, but a fulfilling one. Ruth is living by herself in the home she'd envisioned with Jew trying to carve out a new career path. But these aren't the only challenges Ruth is facing. The gay ban had been lifted for the army, 
But all those years of hiding who she really was have affected Ruth deeply. Because I was still living as a person who wasn't gay because that was what I had to do all the time. I hadn't come out to my parents either. And there's this crossover point that you suddenly start to believe that you're not gay to a certain degree because you've played that role for so long. My brother and my sister knew they'd known for years and there was never any issues there. Ruth's siblings knew, but telling her mom and dad, that was a whole other beast. To actually say something to, oh, by the way, uh, I'm gay, it just couldn't come out. Eventually, Ruth's parents actually ask her if she's a lesbian. She's relieved to be able to just say yes. But it was hard for them to understand because of the generation that they've been brought up in. And they start to question themselves then. And is it something we've done? Has the army turned her gay? There was still this lack of understanding, really, and an acceptance. Despite all these challenges, Ruth does her best to move forward with life, including trying to move on from her relationship with Jew. I had no idea about where Jew was, what she was up to. I tried my very best. I thought I had put Jew away. Easier said than done. Jew is always somewhere in the back of Ruth's mind. Whenever she drives down the highway and passes Chepstow, the town Jew grew up in, Ruth always thinks about her. Even years and years later, it was still there. And I, was, I thought, come on now, you've got to, got to get on with your life. You've got to, got to move on here. I have no idea where she is, uh, what she's doing now. Is she married? Has she got her own family? Is she in a, in a relationship? I had no idea. Let's find out what happened to Jew after this break. I'm Rachel Martin. After hosting Morning Edition for years, I know that the news can wear you down. So we made a new podcast called Wild Card, where a special deck of cards and a whole bunch of fascinating guests help us sort out what makes life meaningful. It's part game show, part existential deep dive, and it is seriously fun. Join me on Wild Card wherever you get your podcasts, only from NPR. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girly? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, not, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed with mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. After uh, me and Ruth split, I went to Lancashire. I had some friends up there from the armed forces. I got into a relationship up there. Jew had moved to Lancashire in the north of England. She worked various jobs as a truck driver, a security guard, and a checkout assistant. And then in 1996, Jew did another stint in the army. I was still on the reserve list. And I had a letter saying, would um, I go to Bosnia? Despite how badly the army had treated her and Ruth, Jude decided she wanted to help. So 
So I went to Bosnia. I trained up again as being a soldier and it was very humbling experience. We stayed at a metal factory where accommodation was and uh, we had lorries for rations, clothes, for the Bosnians, which didn't have houses. I'll never forget it. And I love being a soldier again, helping. And I thought about Ruth when I was back in Bosnia. Being back in the armed forces made you reflect on all that had happened and where she was in that moment. And I thought, what am I doing with my life? Ju realized she wasn't happy, not in Lancashire and not in her relationship. So when she finished the Bosnia tour, she decided to make some changes. She broke up with her partner and moved back to her hometown, Chepstow, in southwest Wales. And you change and you grow as a person. Being home again felt right. It was lovely, peaceful, to be honest. And her family had gone through many changes. Unfortunately, my mum passed away, and my uncle passed away, and my nan, so it was just me and my dad, and my dad remarried. And you built a new life for herself, too. I got myself a little flat, so yes, and I got myself a couple little spaniel dogs. Well happy. Jew was happy in her apartment with her two spaniels, but she couldn't stop thinking about Ruth. I was just praying she was in a job that she really enjoyed, and I was thinking, I bet she's doing something with teamwork because she's such a team player and a good leader. I was hoping she was doing something like that, you know. Over 20 years pass, and Ruth and Jew don't see or hear from each other at all. Neither of them knows anything about the other's life. Until the fall of 2014. Jew has an old friend called Jules. Move over, Julia and Julia. It's Jew and Jules. They've known each other since they were 11 years old. She's a family member, really. I, I've known her for that long. And we used to go off hiking. We still do now, day trips. We meet up, we go on holidays. I love her dearly. She's such a good friend. One day, Jules suggests the pair go on one of their hikes. And Jew is looking forward to it. I said, do you fancy going down Porth Call then, mate? Jew asks Jules if she'd like to go to Pathcall, a tiny town on the south coast of Wales. It's a seaside town where you go surfing. Oh, it's fantastic. It's also where Ruth grew up. And although Jew doesn't know it, it's where Ruth is living again. So me and Jules said, come on then, let's go down there. So as we were getting near Puffcorp, Usually we'll go straight over the roundabout to hit Rest Bay, which is the main surf capital down there. But instead of taking the usual route, Drew feels drawn to do something different. Something was saying to me, let's go left. I said, let's go left. It's a different beach. We haven't been there. As we turn left, about 300 yards up, I looked... And I said to Jules, that's Ruth. Jew sees Ruth for the first time in 22 years. How I did not crash the car, the emotions, it makes me feel now 
At this point, Ruth and Ju are now 47 and 44 years old. And suddenly, after so many years of wondering where Ruth was, what she was doing, whether she was happy, there she was, just a few feet away. Ruth was coming out of this car, going around the front bonnet, going around to the passenger side, doing something. Ruth doesn't spot Ju. Jules said to me, what's wrong, Ju? She'd pull over, go and see her. I said, I can't, I can't, I feel sick. Instead, Drew drives away. She's sure it is Ruth she's seen, but she doesn't talk to her. Instead, she and Jules park nearby and go for their hike, just like they planned. But Drew's head is spinning. Jules said to me, I never known you so quiet, Joe. You look white as a ghost. Jules can't understand why she doesn't want to speak to Ruth. But for Jew, it isn't so simple. This wouldn't be any old reunion. Not for Jew. I didn't approach Ruth because I didn't know if she's happily in a relationship. Is she married? So I was in a dilemma. I thought, I don't want to rock her world because if she's happy and contented, you know, it's a ghost from the past. I didn't want to make her unhappy. But when Ju gets home that day, Ruth is all she can think about. It made Ju want to find Ruth, to try and reconnect. But she wasn't sure if Ruth would want that. After all, she didn't know anything about Ruth's life. And because Ju was the one to end the relationship years ago, she didn't want to show up and get in the way of whatever life Ruth had built for herself since. So, at first... Ju did nothing. But here's something you need to know about Ju. She's a person who believes in signs. Signs from the universe, angels, whatever you want to call it. When Ju needs to make a decision, she looks for signs. And then one day, after she'd been wondering what to do about Ruth for a while, she finds something. I found a poem Ruth gave me when I was 21, because I was a driver, a poem about keeping you safe. Jew finds a poem that Ruth had given her many years ago. And to understand Jew even more, you need to know that she speaks with her late mother, asking her questions and running over thoughts in her head. It helps her remain connected to her and keeps her memories fresh. Talking to her helps Jew work out any problems she may have. I said to my mum in my head, I said, is this a sign, <laughs> you know, should I contact her? So that's when it opened up and I thought, I think I'd like to contact her. Yes. Jew has made the decision to contact Ruth, but she needs some help. I'm not into technology, sorry, I don't do Facebook or nothing, even at 51. But luckily, Jew's best friend, Jules, the same friend who was there for the Ruth sighting, is on social media. I said, Jules, could you do a great favour, my friend? Could you contact Ruth Birch? Jules goes to Facebook and types in the name. A user comes up with a picture that jumps out at Jew. I can tell by her eyes and her face. I knew that was Ruth. I knew that was Ruth. 
Jew asked Jules to write a message to Ruth. I told Jules what to say. Hi, Ruth. This is Julia's friend, Jules. She's wondering, how are you? Would you like to meet up? Jules asks if Ruth would like to meet up with Jew for a coffee, just as friends. But no pressure. Julia does not do technology, so you have to go through me. And she put, you know, from Jules, but it's from me. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> Jules said, do you really want me to send this message? I said, send. She has no idea if she'll ever hear back. Three months go by without a response. I was going, no, she, she's not interested, and I understand, I appreciate it. Jules says Jew should message again, but she doesn't want to. I said, no, I'm not handing Ruth nowhere, I'm not a stalker. It seemed like Ruth wasn't interested in reconnecting, so Jew left it alone. But then, one day around March 2015, Ruth sits down at her computer. I'm not a very techy person or anything, and I'd only, like, recently joined Facebook. She'd just returned home from a trip that had kept her offline for a few months. And all of a sudden, this message came up. Hi, Ruth. This is Julia's friend, Jules. She's wondering, how are you? I think I sort of, like, stopped in my tracks. It was from Jew, but it had been sent by a friend. I was like, oh, flippin' heck, what's... Is this real? Not knowing exactly what to say or how to start the conversation, Ruth ends up saying something pretty unexpected. Quite a corny line, really, because at the time I was on Channel 4's coach trip. Okay, hold up, because I've got to tell you where Ruth had been during those months she wasn't checking Facebook. She'd been filming a reality TV show called Coach Trip. It's a show where contestants go on a road trip together and a different person is voted off each week. Anyway. So, Ruth messages Jules back. And said, tell Julia to watch Coach Trip. At five o'clock, she'll see me on it. So imagine all these years, I've not heard from Ruth or seen Ruth, and the next thing, she's on television. I just thought this is crazy. Maybe this isn't the most romantic reply, but Ruth has a reason for it. She wants to keep a bit of distance because she doesn't want to be hurt again. I felt that I was trying to protect myself as well because I thought, oh no, I'm going to, you know, I still got these feelings that all of a sudden now have erupted. And I thought, you know, I don't want to be... If she's with somebody, I'll be really happy for her. But I thought, oh, I don't know whether I can deal with this. Jew is single at this time, but Ruth is in a relationship. She's living with someone she'd been with for the last 19 years, even though she felt the relationship wasn't in a good place. I mean, there was still part of me that, that was and always will be in, in love with Jew because she was and still is my soulmate. So that relationship didn't really have much of a chance. Thanks to a sign from Jew's late mother and the miracle of Facebook, Ruth and Jew are back in touch. Both of them are nervous and excited and a little wary. So many years have passed and their lives are complicated, but slowly they start to reconnect. (music) 
It begins with texts. They exchange numbers and begin having weekly text conversations. And by weekly, I mean literally one conversation once a week, always at the same time. So we text every Wednesday morning. And I was so excited, taking my spaniels around the field and seeing this message. It was lovely. The things that we actually text was along the lines of, how are you today? I'm doing this. It wasn't too involved. And I think both of us were a bit frightened. For one, we didn't want to scare the other person off. But even just the texting, it made, made my day, made my week. I mean, looking back, you think, flipping heck, a text does all of that. Ruth and Jude text each Wednesday for a couple of months before Ruth finally summons up the courage to make a phone call. I finally left her a voice message. I was in work, I went out to the car, I went on my phone and I left her a voice message. I was really quite nervous and I I think I babbled quite a bit and I just said uh, along the lines of, I hope you're having a good day. And because Jude was working as a gardener at the time and Ruth's last name is Bert, she also decides to say this. Do you trim birch bushes? Do you trim birch bushes? That's definitely one way to break the ice. I don't know why I said it either. <laughs> She's going to kill me now, Jim. So the first time we actually spoke on the phone, she was ringing and I didn't realise it was Ruth. And when I heard her voice, that just opened up the floodgates then. After being in touch for a few months, Ruth and Zhu finally decide to meet. During the summer in Pathkal, there are fireworks once a week. Ruth invites Zhu to come and watch them. And she said, would you like to come down and see the fireworks? It was a Tuesday. I said, boy, boy, I would. So it was only... um, about 10 minute conversation so I said oh I'll see you um, at Porth Call then at half past seven to see the fireworks so I put the phone down oh I I was I was headless I just didn't know what to do with all these emotions I thought I want to meet her I knew I'll always love Ruth but I had to keep it super cool I wanted to say so much to her but I was so excited just to see her the run-up to meeting her, I was really nervous because I thought, crikey, I've aged. But actually meeting Jew was incredible because when I saw her walking down, she's walking down the prom, she has such a distinctive walk. Jew's walk was one of the first things Ruth had noticed about her when they met back in 1991. So seeing Jew walk down the promenade now... It took me straight back to the cookhouse when she very first walked in and my heart just leapt. I could see her then getting nearer. I thought, that's Ruth. It was like we were back in that moment and it was like over 25 years just suddenly gone. She looked really nervous, actually, I think. I thought, what am I going to say? I hope I don't, you know, say the wrong thing. And it was so weird because it was like we'd never, ever been apart. She had her eyes, beautiful eyes, the wonderful smile, her whole persona, and I could feel then that we were back. That was it. After 25 years, whoa, magic. It was magic, yeah. More magic 
after the break. It's August 2015 in Pothcall, on the south coast of Wales. Ruth and Jew have spent a magical evening together. And after the fireworks ended... She walked me back to my car and I thought, oh, dilemma time. It feels so natural to give her a kiss. Ruth and Jew shared a kiss that night. But the path still wasn't completely clear for them. Ruth and her partner had to go through the process of their own breakup before she'd be free to pick things back up with Jew. It was a difficult time for Ruth, going through a breakup, and for Jew, waiting for Ruth. I knew that what I was doing was right, and that Jew and I did need to be together, and nothing was going to stop us now. Nothing. And since that moment, nothing has. In fact, in September of 2015, Jew decided... I want to propose to Ruth. I want to do this. But just because someone's your soulmate, it doesn't make the perfect proposal any easier to pull off. Believe it or not, I am a shy person. (laughs) So I bought the engagement ring and I thought, right, I want to do it on uh, Christmas Eve because we love Christmas Eve. On Christmas Eve, Ruth rings the bells at the church. So she has the church keys because she's the captain of the bell ringers. Hold up just a sec. The captain of the bell ringers? (laughs) How cool is that? These two never fail to surprise me. So I said to Ruth, can we go on top of the tower, love? She looked at me like I lost my marbles. And she said, oh, come on then, let's be quick. So we went up the old stone steps, past these big, beautiful old bells, up some more steps and onto the tower. So it was absolutely chucking it down with rain. And then all of a sudden then, she gets down on one knee. I was so, so nervous. I got the box out. Ju gets the ring box out. She'd rehearsed this moment so many times, but she hadn't factored in the nerves, the rain, the emotion. And what I'd been practicing, it went with the wind. She... Couldn't really say anything properly. She couldn't open a ring box that, that she'd got or anything. She tried to jam it on the wrong finger. She said, oh, she said, love, are you OK? I said, no. And I still couldn't say nothing. I was so emotional. After, sorry, after everything. I was so emotional. And then I said, did you say anything? Did you say yes? <laughs> Jew is so overwhelmed, it is unclear whether she ever actually got the question out. And she hasn't even noticed whether or not Ruth has said yes. She said, you silly. She said, we don't have to say words. She said, of course I did. So that's how we got engaged, yes. Ruth and Jew got married in Pothcall on the 4th of November, 2017. Our wedding day. Oh, fantastic. We got married at the the registry office, which was fantastic. 
There was people there from all different parts of our lives. I rang the bells for my own wedding. That was part of what I wanted to do. The love, you know, from Ruth's mum and dad, my stepmom, my dad, it was beautiful. We were with people who cared and people who understood the love that we had and showed their love for us as two human beings that were in love. And you know what? And some people from an older generation as well were there celebrating, people from younger generations. Do you know what? It was wonderful. It was really wonderful. Ruth and Ju have now been married for almost six years. And all these years after they were discharged from service, they found a way to reconnect with the military too. It's only since I started working with a charity called um, Fighting with Pride, which is the LGBT plus military charity. It was set up uh, 20 years after the ban was lifted, realising that there was nothing there for veterans who had been dishonourably discharged. And I saw a job advertised to be a veteran community worker. And I found myself applying and I got the job. And it's been extremely therapeutic for myself and for Jew because we both now feel that we're fully back within the military family. My life now with Jew is totally complete. I feel that I'm actually living. To be with Jew every day is wonderful, even if things don't go right. She always finds positives in everything. We support each other. We've got two mad spaniels as well, Holly and Skye. We go out and, and we have adventures. We go swimming with our two spaniels. They're uh, nearly 10 and 12. Neither of us are any good at cooking, but Jew has taken on the role. And we've got a plaque up in the kitchen that says, I pretend I like cooking and you pretend it tastes nice. I'm, I'm actually living again and I feel like we've never been apart. We live a very simple life, but a very rich life. We're at peace now. Every day I'm grateful. Every day. So, have you ever experienced love at first sight? Sometimes it feels like pulses of electricity, or maybe even magic. But the true magic is the way love finds its way back home. After 25 years of bigotry, heartache, and disappointment, love reunites soulmates. I'm Tay Diggs, and this has been You Had Me at Hello. If you have an incredible love story, please reach out to us at lovestories at sonymusic.com. We'd love to hear it. You Had Me at Hello is a Sony Music Entertainment production. It's hosted by me, Tay Diggs. This episode was produced by Jaja Muhammad and Arlie Adlington. The junior producer is Martha Miller. Additional production support from Mia Warren. The production coordinators are E.K. Egbatola and Lily Handley. Production manager is Kat Moran. Peggy Sutton is a story editor. It was written by Nicole Perkins and the production team. Al Siona Mick composed the original music. The sound designer is Tom Drew. Isis Thompson, Louisa Field, and Tay Diggs are the executive producers. Special thanks to Jez Nelson, Chris Skinner, and Julia Stevenson. <laughs>